Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Sex Wrap. You're here today with Andrew and Spring, your favorite sex experts on the internet. Sexperts? I think that's a pretty good word. Answering your questions about sex, sexual health, relationships, love, friendship, anatomy, anything at all. We'll we'll really talk about anything. No holds barred. How are you feeling today, Spring? I'm a little stressed. (laughs) A little... It's a weird world. Um, I, I think something that, that we all need to be doing for, for people in our lives is doing mental health checks. And mental health checks aren't like, you know, you put on your glasses, you have someone lay down on a chase and, and, and go through a checklist. It's like, you know, how are you doing? And then actively listening and, and really talking about like, well, where are you? And then like, what can I do to help? So you're a little bit stressed or a lot of bit stressed? Yeah, I mean, I feel... Um... You know, I'm having some people in my life really stressing about COVID still, and that's like impacting me. And, you know, there's, we're all feeling a lot of stress around that. And then, you know, when people get really emotionally involved in it, it can be really challenging to negotiate terms of seeing people you love in your life. And that brings up a lot. And it brings up a lot of like, um, you know, fears about your past and your future. And um, it's really difficult. So yeah, I'm feeling it. I mean, it's really rough because most of the time when we're feeling down or stressed, who do we depend on? Like, you know, you you hang out with your friends or you do something with your friends or you hang out with your family. And now often those relationships aren't as supportive because of distance or because of fears of COVID or because, you know, it's, it's harder to find time sometimes whenever you're, you know, different time zones and you're trying to call people through. Zoom. I know, I, I mean, I love talking to people. I do a lot of happy hours with Zoom, but I'm on Zoom all day at work and then I go teach and then more Zoom and I kind of get Zoomed out, except I still want to see people. It's yeah. like mentally, mentally exhausting to do all of it and then stress on top of it. Uh, personally, though, how are you feeling about COVID? Like you in your actual everyday life? Because, you know, we talked about last week, uh, Spring had just had her second vaccine and she was feeling pretty not great. How do you feel this week? <laughs> I feel good. Yeah, I mean, I the second dose, I just, um, my arm hurt and I got tired. That was the only thing. Um, but I was very tired. <laughs> um, so, but I feel very optimistic, you know, about people getting their vaccine and, um, and it's still important to take precautions, of course, but I think, you know, there's just this little bit of peace of mind that just gives you so much more ability to move through the world. Like when you're not so anxious and nervous about things. So I'm really excited about people being able to get vaccinated and hopefully to um, keep making healthy and wise decisions, but also be able to have a little more um, peace of mind while seeing people they care about. I did the craziest thing last week. I, (laughs) uh, on Friday night, uh, I met up with my friends, Sarah and Alan and Beck. All of us have been vaccinated and we sat, you know, I live in Florida. So we sat outside and it was like, you know, 75 degrees and breezy. We were socially distanced from all of the other tables, but people brought me food and drinks and I sat at a table and someone came and cleaned it all up. And it was 
a truly magical experience <laughs> to sit and eat with other like i i didn't forget how much i enjoyed like the the entire process but like for me my mental health like you know i i'm a happy upbeat person but i've really struggled with the like lack of social connection i'm incredibly extroverted and i love to go out and i always want to go do new fun things um and I'm really excited that that can slowly come back in. I'm still going to wear masks. I'm still going to practice social distancing because I want to make sure I keep myself and everyone around me safe. But, you know, it's really about about, you know, finding ways to make sure that ah, you feel fulfilled and that like you don't let um, unrealistic threats kind of overtake you. Yeah. But you don't want to be on the other side as well, where you're not taking it seriously. Still take it seriously. <laughs> I, I read something really funny about COVID vaccination yesterday. Um, more people were vaccinated on Friday in the United States than in the entire country of Canada altogether. Canada. It's like, oh, my God. Get your act together. What's going on with you? You're, you always beat us in everything. But this time around, if you're a Canadian listener, you can send us like a message letting us know. Like, well, I'm thinking of you. Um, I, I hope you get your vaccine soon, Canada. But... Yeah, we're doing a good job. If you're in the United States, we are killing it with vaccinations. Um, you know, ever since Biden took over as president, we've really ramped that up and uh, we're getting millions of doses out. So I hope if you want yours, you can get it soon. And there's more good news. Um, they, they, they're currently doing tests with people under 18 and then people under four. Uh, and it looks like those will be uh, done in early summer. So it looks like we're headed for a July, August return to actually getting out in the world and, and and hopefully shedding a lot of that fear and you know those mental health checks that you should be doing will really change because then it will be like oh i'm sorry you're so tired and your feet hurt from us being at an amusement park so i i mean that's, that's <laughs> my my big goal disney here you come oh i cannot wait it's gonna be great we haven't talked about disney in over a year on the show it seems impossible wow. Uh, so everybody, just just make sure you're asking those questions. It's not hard. And and the thing is, it's not your job to provide an answer with a mental health check as well, right? Like you don't have to silver lining it. You don't have to tell them it's going to be okay. The important part is just listening. And if someone is in a really bad state, then it's trying to find resources to help them. Your resource, your job with a mental health check is being a sounding board and letting that person know you support them, not like trying to find an immediate answer. Um, so just, just, you know, Love the people in your life and let them know that you're there. Or if you need help, also let them know from both sides. And I mean, I think that this is a great intro to our topic today because, you know, we're talking about uh, mental health and the way that we stay mentally healthy and strong is by having, you know, equity in our world and in our lives. And um, that's like very important to how our whole society works. And um, we still see inequities across everything. Like, <laughs> let's, let's just talk about how inequities exist in every single aspect of our lives. And these can be racial, they can be um, regards to age, they can be regards to um, abilities or sexual orientation, like relationship orientation, like all of these things have inequities associated with them. And so today we've been talking about porn for the past couple of weeks. 
And today we're talking about um, racial inequities in porn, specifically how Black people are represented in porn. We had a, a, someone send us a very concerned post a couple of weeks ago uh, when we started doing these pornography, uh, or, or when we were talking about pornography, saying how they hated the way that Black people were shown in pornography. Um, um, and, and we know, like, we've been talking about it for the past few weeks, like, pornography is the least progressive industry, right? Um, but we can take that a step forward. It's pretty much the only industry where you can say, like, well, you're Black, you can't be in this video, or you're Black, we're not going to hire you. Um, and we're not saying it's okay, but we're just saying in the industry, the way the industry is currently set up, there's a lot of potential for some pretty significant racism um, going on. And, and we have a whole bunch of examples we'll be talking about. Um, so listeners, like, uh, like we hear you and we want to talk about uh, racism and pornography. And um, last week, we talked about ethical porn, right? And I think that's one of the solutions. Um, but I think before we get back to more ethical porn, we should talk about what some of those issues are in uh, pornography and portrayals of people of color. Yeah. And so when we're talking about, you know, how people are represented in porn, like, we talk about, you know, why people watch porn and why porn matters and why, like, why does it even matter, you know, that like people are represented a certain way in porn? Like, you know, it's not, it's not mainstream social media. It's not mainstream like Hollywood, right? So like, why does it matter if there are inequities or things are represented in a sh- terrible way? I was going to curse in a, <laughs> in a terrible way. Uh, I mean, but spring and I, in terrible way, right? Because Spring and I talk all the time about how porn is fantasy. Porn isn't real, right? Like if you're going to porn for an education about sex, you're probably going to be pretty bad at sex and your expectations about sex are going to be all screwed up as well. Um, but even though it's fantasy, it does impact, right? We talk about how it does impact relationships and sex and sexual education and sexual expectations. And it can really impact people's ideas about race and sex, Um and when we look more broadly at at pornography as an industry, like there are just some really basic markers that show that there's some racist problems. We know that across the board, black actors in pornography are paid less for the same acts and the same scenes. Um, they get less money. And, and I mean, and it's worse than that as well. Um, like if we look at pornography, white female performers charge more to have sex with black actors. And there's actually some studios that won't hire women who've had sex with black actors. Like, and we're going to talk about like the broader reasons why this is problematic, but uh, like just at the very surface level, we can see that there are already some pretty disturbing issues that happen in pornography. Whenever we look at what happens to black actors inside of it. And, and you know how, when people are watching porn and they are turned on and then like as they watch more and more of it they actually like are kind of training themselves to be turned on by a certain thing that they're watching right the more that you watch a specific type of uh porn then the more like that is what turns you on because you are watching it while turned on so you it becomes this like training ground right and so if we have such a racist problem in porn and people are consuming porn quite regularly and we know people are consuming porn we talked about how uh Pornhub is one of the top sites that is visited worldwide so we know people are consuming porn quite regularly. Yep. And so if th- what they are watching is racist and that is like now getting trained into their psyches, like that is getting trained into what 
is going to turn them on. That is a huge problem for our society. Like that's terrifyingly huge. Well, and it leaks over in and it leaks over into everyday life as well. Like we we've talked before about like racism and dating, um, and what happens on dating apps for 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 black people. Um, and today, like normally, I would say people of color. Today, we're explicitly talking about black people in the United States. Um, but uh, like it's an ongoing issue, and it leaks over into everyday life. Just like all of the other times we've talked about porn, how it can leak over into your relationships or how it can kind of spread into like how you feel sex should be. Um, if you're watching a lot of porn with these racist tropes uh, and by tropes, it's just these like persistent stories and stereotypes that happen in pornography. And we're going to talk about some of those as well. Um, but it can be really problematic. Um, and it kind of says that the system of racism inside of pornography is okay. Um, but we need to take a short break. Uh, we'll be right back to keep talking about some of the issues with racism in porn. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're talking about racism and porn um, for February. Um, instead of being gushy and talking about love all month, we decided like, well, let's talk about what people actually love. Pornography. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about pornography and its intersections with all of the different aspects of sexuality. Um, and today we're talking about pornography. And I was just talking about some of those racist tropes that show up, uh, racist stereotypes. I think we should like say, you know, what these are, but like, I feel very uncomfortable. Like, I feel nervous to even say these. Like, that's, that's how uncomfortable these tropes, these stereotypes, these like storylines that are used over and over make me. Like, I feel nervous to even talk about them. That's how bad they are, right? I mean, it is kind of... Are you going to say what they are? Can you do it? I, oh, I'm going to go... I'm going to talk about a whole bunch of them, yeah. I mean, it is kind of ooey, uh, but I'm not... I mean, I, I, I'm i going to charge headlong into into a whole bunch of these. Um, There's this really amazing book called like a 5 Billion Wicked Thoughts where there are these people who went and they got all of the data from dating apps and they got all of the data from Pornhub and they're like, well, let's just kind of dig in and see what Americans are doing with pornography. Um, and I'm going to start out by saying states that have some of the highest level of racial tension and racism are the states that have the highest consumption of racist pornography, like Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi. The top searches on Pornhub are all about interracial porn or ebony porn. Right. So there is a link between the actions that people are taking and the kind of pornography Um Interracial is the first of the many tropes or many of the stereotypes we're going to talk about. So interracial porn pretty much only means one thing. It means there's a black man and a white woman. Or several black men. Or several black men and one white woman most of the time. Um, and uh, it's, it's usually about domination and submission or corruption as well. Um, so I said like black actresses off, or white actresses often charge more to sleep with uh, or not sleep with, but to have sex with a black actor in pornography because they are then viewed as despoiled or they'll get paid less for future scenes um, because of this ongoing, ongoing interracial trope. So interracial usually means that there's a black man or multiple black men and a white woman, and it's about domination and submission and degradation, right? So you're like dehumanizing the white woman or, or that's like the plot of the overall pornography. But it, when we take a step back and look at it, most of it's actually about saying the black person is less human or less less valuable or they're bestial or they can't control their urges. 
and there's this poor white woman on the other side who's being despoiled or being, you know, deflowered um, by this interaction. Um, And most interracial porn follows that. It's so crazy to me that there's this like hierarchy of um, like what people charge for in pornography. So like, you know, if you're doing just oral sex, like you're going to charge this amount and then you're going to charge a little more if you're doing vaginal sex and you're going to charge more if you're doing anal sex. And like the thing that is like the craziest is interracial porn that people charge the most for because it can basically ruin their career to, to actually engage in that. Right. And that, like, I can't even understand that. Like, I can't even understand how this is happening in, in this industry. Like it doesn't, I can't even put it together in my mind. Like, I mean, I guess I know our country is very racist. So, but I don't even know how to, how to, how to explain it to our listeners. You know what I mean? I mean, the reason why it happens is because people are paying for it, right? The studios that are producing this porn are producing it in the way that they're producing it because people are out there consuming it in a way that makes it profitable for the company to do it. Um, So, I mean, it, it seems to be the product of racism in our society. And the outcome is there's a lot of racism in porn. There's a lot of other, um, uh, of these stereotypes. Uh, Spring, are you familiar with cuckolding? Yep. So cuckolding <laughs> is another huge, like, I, I, it's always weird when we talk about it. I like, don't go to Pornhub and type like interracial cuckolding, right? But that's uh, the next big trope. So cuckolding is like when um, somebody is um, kind of demeaned in some way. So like if you have... Um, this is really hard to explain, even though I know exactly what it is. Like, I don't know the right words to explain cuckolding. You're- so most of the time with cuckolding, there's a couple, like, and usually in, in pornography, it's a white couple. And what happens is they bring in um, a stud uh, who is usually like, right, they're using like horse terminology, like, or breeding terminology. So they bring in a black man who has sex with the wife, and then the white man is forced to watch it and is degraded and they'll call his penis little. And often there's all of this like going to get your white wife pregnant with my black baby. Um, all of these sort of undertones going on that are meant to, I mean, it's meant to degrade the white husband, but the entire process turns that black actor into nothing more than once again, it's that despoiler or, you know, I'm the beast or I'm, I'm not really human. I'm just this penis that's going to be invading your relationship and and then ruining it forever. So, so in this, um, the white man is the cuckold. So the person who is like not allowed to have sex and is like shoved in the corner and made to watch is the person that is the cuckold. So it's like he's the one that is, you know, in some ways being demeaned. But the problem with this is what Andrew was saying is that it is the dehumanization of the black actor in this porn that is the actual problem, right? It's not that on the surface you can say, oh, well, the white guys, you know, doesn't get to have sex. So like it, it's like 
it's saying that the black person here is the real amazing person at sex. But like the problem is he is not being treated like a human. Well, and this is this is all based in the long history of um, racism in the United States, where interracial marriages were illegal all the way up until like the 60s in the United States. And uh, there used to be all of these like you know, scare stories that would go out in the United States about the black man is going to sleep with your wife. Um, like, And black men were lynched for even having conversations with white women. They were murdered for it. Um, and this is just building off of that history. I mean, there's entire categories of pornography that are racist, like the BBC. We're not talking about the British broadcasting. We're talking about big black cock porn, where once again, it's about black men being brutish, um, black men like, coming into situations, and then like ruining or despoiling a woman with their big black penis. Like sometimes they even call it Mandingo porn where Mandingo's roots go straight back to slavery in the United States. Like there's so much inherent racism in porn. Um, We haven't talked about black women in porn. Black women in porn get paid less than white actresses. A lot of studios won't hire them at all. Um, Like the same kind of issues happen with black women where they're very dehumanized. Um, if we start looking at other kinds of racism and pornography, we see things like uh, the N-word being used very frequently in porn to dehumanize black actresses or white uh, or black or black actors or actresses. Um, and then like we can take it as like we could talk about the different kinds of racism. But some of the things that came out more recently, there were there were porn titles that came out from these. I would say pretty unethical company. One was Black Facials Matter. And if you go back just a few months, you can hear Spring and I talking about why Black Lives Matter is important. So this is sort of making fun of the other, like the entire, like we need to address systemic structural racism in the United States. Another one was Black Wives Matter, like Black Wives Matter, where once again, they're using all of these racist stereotypes. Um, And and at the end of the day, like this is problematic because it it sort of perpetuates racism in the United States. Um, and it doesn't sort of perpetuate okay. racism. It, it definitely <laughs> perpetuates racism in the United States. Um, and it, it's dehumanizing, right? It's dehumanizing for those black actors and actresses. Um, they don't get fair pay. They get less pay. Um, and most of the time, like, I was reading stories like there'll be a black actor on the set and a white woman will be there. And they, you know, they both come in and the white woman will be like, well, I'm not sleeping with him And essentially, the black guy loses the pay, loses his job because racism is allowed to be perpetuated on the sets and scenes of pornography um, in the United States. It's like the levels of racism in the industry go at every single point. Right. So you can see it. Um, on the set, like you were just talking about, you can see it in the pay structure. You can see it in what they're actually producing. So like, it's not only that it occurs behind the scenes. It's occurring in the scenes. It's occurring like blatantly. It's occurring like in the names of the companies. Like it is mocking the whole social justice that we are trying to have in this country right now that we are trying to like put action forward. And so we see that like this is actually the one of the biggest problems because it is not being addressed yet. And so there are so many aspects of um, racial equity that we're really working on in this country right now. Like, thank God we're finally doing some of this work. And what we're seeing in pornography is zero change. We're not seeing anybody stepping up. We're not seeing anybody like saying, I want to address this. I want to work at this, right? Like we just, we see it perpetuated more and more and more. And we see 
more and more and more racist porn coming out. So in order to address this, right, we, it, it just seems to be a persistent, it doesn't seem, it is a persistent issue. Um, last week, we talked about ethical porn, and there are ethical porn companies that are owned by uh, people of color that make sure that there's equity and pay. Um, there are there are companies that do it. But um, we said last week, like, all you have to do is search for ethical porn. If you want to find porn with uh, black actors and actresses in it that are not treated that are treated fairly, that are paid fairly, um, you're going to have to go into that ethical porn list and then look for ethical porn and people of color, ethical porn and racism. Um, It's hard to find, right? And the only way that it's going to get better is if people start, you know, looking for it and purchasing it and consuming it. Um, And I think that's going to take some change. But, you know, I have every confidence that people, like once they're more aware and once they think about it, I mean, if you listen to this episode and you see unethical porn, maybe, you know, it'll put a little stop in your brain and you'll be like, oh, this is kind of racist. And I don't want to be supporting a system that, you know, dehumanizes black people and pays them less and supports racism. Um, but I mean, that that's really where the change comes from. It's the same answers we were talking about last week, uh, but sort of just pushed to include um, race. Um, something that I talk about all the time is that I work in my everyday life to be anti-racist, like like not being non-racist, but anti-racist, where I, I actively try to make sure the world is a less racist place in everything that I do. And I say that there is racism everywhere, like no space is free of it. Um, and I think that p- consumption of pornography needs to follow that sort of path uh, if we really want to, you know, start making progress where we have to say, you know, like the porn that I'm consuming is problematic for these reasons. Sure, I feel it gets me like all turned on. Sure, I think it's hot. But... Uh, maybe I want to get turned on and, you know, feel all horned up by seeing something that I know treats everyone well. Yeah. And I mean, the only way to actually stop what's happening in the porn industry is like everyone has to turn away from it. Like it's it's not just a few people, right? Like everyone has to turn away from this mainstream porn. And and if you want to watch porn, you have to go to ethical porn. Like, and we when we were talking about like the reasons that you do that last week, you know, we just gave you like all of these reasons, but like then here, this, if nothing else, this is the most important reason to me because it is the racism in pornography is perpetuating the racism in our society. And it's a feedback loop and you have to like, you have to stop it wherever you can. And one of the main ways that you personally can make a difference here is to not ever watch mainstream porn. Like, turn your back on it and go to a place where you know that porn is being produced ethically and that people are being paid fairly and that you can see the types of representations of people being people having sex that you want to see. I don't really have anything to add to that. That's like the, the just the tip. That's the, the final word. That's the uh, outcome of this whole story arc. And I mean, I had a lot of fun this month talking about pornography. Um, I, if you like the uh, this month where Spring and I, you know, had this sort of more consistent storyline for a whole month, let us know. We have a ton of questions from all of you. Um, and, you know, we can sort of put them together into these clumps. Um, Or if you just want us to answer, you know, every week, something new and different, totally fine with that as well. I love novelty, something new. Um, But I think it was really valuable uh, because we live in a world where people don't talk about pornography. You know, Spring and I, we work at universities. We we try to find research. We're looking for articles. There aren't articles of research about pornography or racism in pornography. Um, 
it's really hard because uh, people are afraid to have the conversations and people are afraid to say the words. And I feel really privileged that you're all here listening to us having this conversation with us. So so thank you, listeners, uh, for letting us have this conversation with you. Thank you for thank you to Spring for having this conversation with me today. Um, and if you're out there and you like porn, right? And and we've said many times, like if for for most people, porn is not really a huge issue. Uh, this sort of puts a sort of kink in that and uh, not the good kind of kink. Um, so start looking for better kinds of porn. And if you find a really great ethical porn site that you'd like to share with Spring and I, maybe we can start our own list that we can make available to listeners. And um, my little tip for the end of the day here is I want you to continue to like look for ways that you can um, address racial inequities in our in our culture, in our system. And um, I just saw one advertised this morning that is sponsored by the YWCA and they're doing um, for the month of March, a 21 day challenge where if you sign up, they send you little readings and little actions that you can take each day. So they send you like three to four things per day um, and you commit to like engaging with those materials and um, doing those little actions every day. And so that's a way if you're feeling like, I don't know what to do. I've already read some books. I've already I've already done stuff, but like, I'm kind of stuck. Like here's another like motivator as a way to say, okay, I'm going to sign up and do this challenge and like keep moving forward. So we'll share that link in our show notes. Um, but keep your eyes out for anything like that. Like whenever you see an opportunity to educate yourself, to like take some more action, take it. Cause it takes all of us doing that over and over and over and over and over and over. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and over and over. Uh, if you have any <laughs> questions or any follow-up questions about this show, um, let us know. You can email us. We're the sex rap at gmail.com. That's rap with a W. You can uh, call us at 413-I-RAP-IT, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Sex Rap. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good day. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just two of music for this episode provided by the ever elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. <laughs>